Welcome back to the premiere Legend of Zelda Travelogue podcast. We are your tour guides. My name is Pete. And my name is Chris. Hey, Pete. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. You know, it's... Uh... We got some Breath of the Wild 2 news! Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I love starting off a podcast with a real big waveform. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To keep the trend going of me dating our uh, <laughs> podcasts each episode. Uh, yeah, we got an update on the development of Breath of the Wild 2 this past week. I mean... We all know at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, the focus of it was basically to say, hey, development's being pushed out a bit longer and the game will not be releasing in the calendar year 2022. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's, you know, let it take however long it'll take. Right. We're, you know, we'll have a great time playing it whenever it comes out. I think there's some validity to being disappointed that it's been delayed again. But like sure. what I'm personally disappointed at is that they couldn't even just give us a title. Oh, I can't wait for that title. It's been so many years. It's been years now. We're still calling it the sequel to Breath of the Wild. But I mean, I feel like when they give away that title, it's got to come with a trailer that builds up to the moment where you learn the title, you know? Yeah, I guess. Who's to say how long they're going to hold on to this, you know? I, I think we'll get, hey, who knows? Because I've been wrong about this game before but i think we'll get a trailer later this year with a title i think it's you know you know what i think it's going to be on release is when we'll know the title okay that's not how <laughs> video games work at all but there are two very fun and important facts that we learned from this trailer i can only think of one one is the master sword is broken yeah fi is not looking in good condition huh i did not like to see our little friend like that <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what it looked like it, it was like rusted with malice it was like rusted corroded and full of holes yeah yeah we get a brief clip of link holding the master sword in yeah. his hand it's broken in two pieces it's full of holes the master sword looks like you know back in old school cartoons when you they wanted to show that alcohol is really strong so they stuck like a nail file into it and then it comes out looking like that that's that's what the master sword looks like right now pretty much it kind of of reminded me of some of the early looks that we got of link's arm and i've seen a lot of people making that connection online oh yeah there might be some connection there to whatever that corruption is eh, i i don't i feel like my my stance on that hasn't really changed i'm pretty sure you know <laughs> it's just you your arm is your companion and that's what's saving you right now yeah maybe what is what is your companion made up of right uh... we have a cursed duck on our head right now companions come in all different weird shapes and sizes i mean that's true i actually want to get to a postcard a bit early this episode that we got from preston wilkie of level zero on discord oh snap he mentioned what if breath of the wild tulan can go through surfaces because he actually shrinks super small for just a moment and we get a minish section oh. the tunnels show in the teaser are really just one small anthill i am fully on board for more minish honestly at this point i think we've made that stance clear yeah but but if that's how we we get it well they kind of foreshadowed something like that during the the delay video right where they said like as you all know we're gonna have the ground and we're gonna have the sky and there's gonna be even more or something like that that whatever that third mechanic is that you're talking about that's got to be tiny something to do with the title oh you think hmm. they have stated in the past they don't want to say the title because it will give away 
something that they haven't revealed yet. It's going to be like the creation of the Dark Realm or something. It's going to be, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's going to be the first hero, right? It's going to be the first hero, something like that. I don't know. Would that be a big reveal? Oh, well, I mean, there's all those theories that Breath of the Wild 2 is like going back to the very beginning. Remember? Right, 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 right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just another instance of they give us anything and our minds will run rampant with it. <laughs> they gave us almost nothing. And I can't stop thinking about what they gave us. Mm -hmm. They also played the fantastic theme from Breath of the Wild 2 again, which game's not even out. And I have an emotional reaction when I hear it. So <laughs> it was, I was I glad to hear that. Hey, speaking of emotional reactions, Chris, mm -hmm. I was going through our most recent episode. And I got towards the end there, uh, we were talking about the hurdy-gurdy man, okay? And there was something I had mentioned, we got to talking about like Guru Guru from the N64 games, and you had mentioned something like, why isn't it that guy? Like they replaced this guy for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned I was going to talk about that, but then as we often do, we got distracted. So <laughs> It's not easy talking for two hours straight and keeping focus. Oh, brutal. But Chris, this must be addressed, okay? Originally, you thought Hurdy Gurdy Man was a replacement for Guru Guru, okay? He's actually a lot more than that. And I'm going to send you something, okay? Oh, no. I, we, this is, this is a live reaction. I have no idea what Pete's about to send me. I have sent you a YouTube thumbnail, uh, from a Minish Cat video that has the hurdy-gurdy man on it. Okay? Okay. Okay. This is the cleanest picture of him that I could find. I mean, this is pretty much the picture we see of him. More or less. Now, uh -huh. does anything look unique about the hurdy-gurdy man that we have not mentioned before. He's got a little four-leaf clover on his hat. Sure. Now... He's got a blue top hat. He does. I don't know if we described him at all. I like his little... Sh looks like shaggy little blonde hair. We, we described him a little bit, but the, we didn't quite get down to brass tacks about his appearance. Now, have you... I'm just going to lead you a little bit. Take note of the shape of his head, please. I mean, his head is made of, like, eight pixels. It's like a pointy... It's like a pointy thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, now I'm going to send you a different picture, which is, tell the nice people. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Tell the nice people what I sent you, Chris. He's a big picori? The hurdy-gurdy man is a giant minish. No. If you look at his face, look at his eyes, look at his ears, the pixels line up. He is a huge minish. This is like if Santa Claus dressed up as your uncle for like family get togethers and just pretended to be like someone that's not <laughs> Santa Claus. Like this is like he's right out in the open. Minish, you can't see Minish. That doesn't make sense. So clearly this is a Minish or Pickery, what, what have you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump the brakes with clearly, clearly for a second. But here's there's, when, when I describe this, when I describe you'll I think you'll come to my side, Chris. This is a Minish who came through a stump or a pot or something to make himself a big like you do. First off. And he goes around doing what? What's his job, Chris? Uh, kinstones and music? He's introducing people, obsessively even, to kinstones. Going around oh. town. Everybody, here's kinstones. Which we know kinstones were introduced by the Minish. Oh, no. Homeboy's got a four-leaf clover on him. Which, like, how much concept art for this game has Minish with four-leaf clovers? Okay. 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 He wants, like, people, like, you know, sometimes maybe people forget about kinstones and, like, they don't, 
they have to be led a little bit to get you know get the ball rolling so people are a little happier there's so much to unpack here yeah. and we need to just start the episode you're saying that minish can not only make themselves seen to everyone at any time if they want but they okay <laughs> that's a revelation but also they can get big like us uh-huh why not if it works in reverse why not i hope we get some big minish in breath of the wild too then again here's another question chris do we ever see the hurdy gurney man speaking to someone who's not a child so it could it could even work that way it uh, yeah we uh, i think we almost 100 percent don't well i think we almost 100 percent yeah figured him out you caught it thought he could hide under that hat chris this is uh this is an exclusive this is important (laughs) stuff that we are talking about right here busted rarely do i feel like uh wow we're really breaking some ground on this podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh minish cap has led to a lot of incredible discoveries and we are what four episodes in if you count the first episode yeah we're we're, this is uh the fifth okay well truly wild stuff thank you for sharing that with me do you want to recap what we talked about in the last episode outside of the hurdy-gurdy man (laughs) uh sure we jumped into deep wood shrine we fought a lot of bugs we sucked up a lot of mushrooms fought a big old gooby boy got the earth element the first of four and uh oh yeah we got some bombs we blew up some gravestones and uh we headed back on to hyrule town to be cornered by a huge minish in disguise <laughs> yep oh man i'm not gonna be able to unsee that now but <laughs> I, it, he's got the ears it's the ear. it's the pixels line up perfectly I've got to look at some other NPCs really quick. I mean... Also, his eyes look like Minish eyes. I mean, there are some other NPCs that also have big... Like, highly... It's a Hylian thing, I guess. But they're not big in the same way. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Sorry. <laughs> I'm getting way distracted now. Anyway... I've broken Perfect you. recap. And now we're heading to some new areas this episode with the base of Mount Krennel. Mount Krennel itself mm-hmm. and Malari's Mines. I don't know why they differentiate the two. You can just say Mount Krennel, Minish Cap. I don't know why we have to say there's the base. Also, uh, we intend to get to Mount Krennel by way of the Trilby Highlands, uh, which is like an interstitial area, sort of like Hyrule Field, which, by the way, for a game like this, I love the name. Very good. Yeah, it's a good name. Before we head off to the Trilby Highlands, though, a couple of to-dos I have here. You want to get that big wallet from Stockwell Shop before you go off. Oh, yeah. I think that costs like 80 rupees. Always want to get those big wallets in these games. Um, There's also going to be a rug in Hyrule Town Center. A rug? Yeah. There are those four rugs, three of which I think at this point have vendors on them. Yeah, yeah. You're going to want to dust off the dusty rug. I think it's like the bottom right rug. That's the one you were playing uh, that game with Zelda with that was clearly rigged in her favor. Exactly that one. Uh, And once we clear it off, a friend might come set up shop down the line. (laughs) I have to wonder what that was about, by the way. Like, did that one particular stall explode and then she had to relocate? Yeah, it seems like Pina maybe made a big mess and the vendor who will occupy that space is maybe a big germaphobe and was like i'm not i'm not stepping i don't care if i don't sell anything i'm not getting on that that rug i mean i'm not gonna set up shop in a in a a mud puddle you know yeah but you would clean the mud i mean well 
That's fair. I guess Beetle could have done that himself, huh? Uh-huh. Anyway. We try to leave town towards the Trilby Highlands, which is on the northwest uh, quadrant of town. There's a guard there who won't let us go. What do you know? Hey, a guard doing their job doesn't let a small child run out into the, the, the wilderness filled with monsters. <laughs> yes. Okay. That is a very positive read on it. Me? I'm just thinking like, oh, this is a guard that is not going to let you go until he sees you do something called a spin attack. So we have our last experience with a guard who's overly fascinated by rolling. Now we have this guard who's like, I want to see you spin. And it's just like, okay, there's a common thread with these guards. I mean, here's the big question. Do you think this guy could do a spin attack? No. You don't? No, because I think he would show us. Oh, you know what? <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> like, why make us walk all the way to the dojo if he could come on? It's not that hard to show how to do. I don't know. He could be doing his job, but also be a jerk at the same time. Like, it's like, good. you need to do a spin attack if I'm going to let you through. Can you show me, mister? I don't got, I'm not made of time. I'm working. <laughs> I'm not made of time. I got to stand here quietly. <laughs> anyway, in order to impress this, I'm going to call him a lazy guard. What do we have to do, Pete? Okay, well, Homeboy won't let us leave unless he knows we can defend ourselves. Unless we can perform a classic spin attack, he will not budge. So we need to head to the south end of town for a lesson at the Swiftblade School. Ooh, Swiftblade School. And ordinarily for Hyrule business highlights, here's where we'd have some kind of dopey skit or something. But I have been monstrously busy lately. And honestly, come on, it's Swiftblade. He's the dirt. Worst. Oh, good. <laughs> I hate this guy. He's the absolute, he is an absolute garbage can of a person. And the Swift Blade School is a respected place of learning, a righteous beacon of hope in the war against evil. I also take back what I said. Swift Blade is very strong and handsome, and he has sweet hair. He is also much more skilled than his many foolish brothers who are not as smart and skilled as him. Uh, Pete, are you okay? Now let us resume our idiotic audio program. <laughs> <clears throat> Whoa, you feel that right? That was awful. <laughs> that felt like every step of eating and digesting a Brillo pad. <laughs> I think that we uh, just inadvertently got our uh, ad read for today. So Swiftblade is the dojo master of the Swiftblade school. He is a, a dirt elf man who teaches you how to fight with swords. Okay, so let's get into why you think he's a dirt man, uh, because you've you've been talking a big game about it. How how does he teach you? Oh, well, I mean, first you go in uh, into this school, you go in hoping to learn some martial arts or something, at least learn to spin on your toesies so that you can impress a guard. And this guy's like, I'll teach you how to do it by possessing you with the art of possession. I'll show you how to do it. That's how you learn, apparently. It is a pretty wild thing that I don't think that they would do today if they made this game again. Just that's just kind of a weird moment. I mean, it's not it's not like a big deal. Like whatever. It's a couple of lines in the game. Mm -hmm. They just want to show you the move before you do the move yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like outside of the kayfabe, it makes sense because you want to know like if you did it right, this is what it looks like. Sure. But here's the thing: other games. They just have you do it automatically without telling you some sort of pretense that someone is controlling, puppeteering your body. Yeah, they could have had him just do it instead of having him possess Link and have Link do it. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Wow. And 
he does this. He has like nine brothers, seven to nine brothers. Eight brothers. Eight brothers. Hey, I was close. You were. And they all do the same thing. They all teach you moves the same way. Swiftblade and all of his brothers are malicious body snatchers and should not be allowed in polite society. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> his reasoning for this, and I don't want to act like I'm okay with this, but I'm just going to say his dialogue. One must feel the technique, not just hear about it. That's why I will now possess your body so as to demonstrate this technique. Mm. I call this the swift blade switcheroo technique of training. Watch this. Switcheroo! Uh, wow. <laughs> he turned to Scooby-Doo for a second. He, I feel like he might have channeled that one in me for a second there. Now, I forgot that it was called a switcheroo technique. Are we in his body during this? Oh, for that brief moment? I mean, Link's got to be watching somehow, right? Oh, I don't like that. That's even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> Imagine if in that moment, while Swiftblade was in Link's body doing the move, Link just ran out of the dojo in <laughs> Swiftblade's body. <laughs> yeah, and Swiftblade just never found it. The rest of the game is like a dojo <laughs> management simulator. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just Swiftblade in Link's body like, what am I doing now? This was such a bad idea. Yeah, no, it is... It's super not chill. It's not okay. <laughs> really quick, I do want to get through the whole family lineage just super quick. I'll rattle some of them off, talk about some notable points. We will probably touch upon these guys again as they unlock uh -huh. throughout the game and in their areas. But we just want to tackle them very quick, I guess, just to speak some generalities. Swiftblade and all of his brothers look exactly the same. Do we want, like, we should describe him really quick. Yeah. So he's... Legolas. Hmm? He's Legolas. He looks like evil Legolas. He looks like Legolas as like your dirtbag stepdad. Okay. I think you're projecting some of your personal feelings onto that description <laughs> of him, but sure. He's a fairly tall Hylian man with long blonde hair. It looks like this is Game Boy Advance Legolas 100%. Yeah, yeah. No, Legolas is fair. All right, so I'm going to run through uh, the Brothers Blade really quick. We have Swiftblade, the Hyrule Town Dojo Master, mm -hmm. the second eldest Blade brother. We're going to address the birth order? <laughs> For some reason, the wiki has all this. He teaches you the spin attack, the rock breaker, dash attack, and the down thrust, which is pretty cool that we're going to learn later in the game. Oh, yeah. Then we have Greyblade. The youngest Blade brother, who is in a cave in Mount Krennel, who's going to teach us the roll attack. We have Swiftblade the first, the eldest Blade brother, who, when I say he's the eldest, I mean he's dead. He's a, he's a ghost. It's hard to get older than that. It's hard to get older than dead. <laughs> I guess, unless you're young and dead. No, no, it doesn't work like that way, Chris. Okay. Anyway, you find him under his grave, which, honestly, that doesn't feel great. <laughs> I mean, he's still kicking it down there, though. Oh, yeah, he's got a whole shop. I mean, he's running a business now. Well, like, good for him. Uh-huh. He will teach us the great spin attack, which he will teach us that after we learn seven other moves. There's a specific order that the brothers want you to learn from. Yeah, and that kind of plays into one of the wildest parts that I'll get to in a second. Then we have Grimblade, the third eldest, who won't teach Link unless he lights the torches in his room with 
the flame lantern that you get in one of the dungeons. In the dojo's room, not Link's room. Right, right, right. <laughs> but imagine just like you walk into a dojo, it's pitch black, and then there's just someone standing there quietly until you turn on the lights. Like he's disappointed in us? Just stoic, not saying anything. I don't think he has dialogue. I, I'm not sure if he has dialogue before that. They all have dialogue. Before you light the thing? Oh, beforehand? I don't know. Right, that's what I'm wondering. Anyway, uh, he is in a cave in southeast Hyrule Castle garden uh, and he'll teach us the sword beam so i like this guy we also have split blade the fourth eldest he looks like a pip boy he's like yellow and blue oh yeah he, he looks like vault boy vault boy there you go he lives in a waterfall cave in Val falls and he teaches you how to charge your split gauge more quickly and yes i said split gauge don't even worry about what that means <laughs> just yet we will address that that is a whole can of words it's the amount of time it takes you to eat a banana split chris you got it then we have wave blade uh, who is under a tree in southwest Lake Hylia, who will teach us the parallel beam. It's basically the sword beam, mm -hmm. but when you have very low health. That's great. I like that a lot. It's like the anti-sword beam. We have Great Blade, the third youngest brother, and this is where things get weird to me. This is where things get weird? Yes, finally. <laughs> He's only accessible after we fuse kinstones with other, one of the other brothers. Mm. Why? Well, I mean, we addressed last time that, like, sometimes kinstone fusion can spark, like, a shift in demeanor or, like, give people ideas or, you know, it, 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 it does something to their heart, you know? Okay, but these next two people who only become accessible after kinstone fusions with their siblings are both in, like, these waterfall caves that open up during the fusion. Sure. I think these brothers were exiled. <laughs> I think they all exiled each other. Maybe. I mean, you know, family drama. You think about where, where Swiftblade the first is buried? He's in the middle of nowhere. Like, the, it is all just a bunch of infighting. They don't like each other. This is just a big, dumb family quarrel, and they all just scatter their dojos to the winds. I don't think there's any big backstory to it, because they all seem a little petty, you know? I am making a theory up on the spot. Roll with me for a second. Great Blade uh, teaches you how to prolong the duration of the Great Spin Attack. Scar Blade, the final brother, second youngest member, also only accessible after fusing kinstones, lives in a waterfall uh -huh. uh, northeast of Caster Wilds, and he teaches you a quicker spin attack. So, my new headcanon, <laughs> I think my track record of theories has not been as strong as yours, but maybe this will turn it around. Okay. Scarblade teaches us a quicker spin attack. I bet you that Swiftblade, being the Alpha Blade brother, saw that quicker spin attack and was like, we can't have that. Everyone's going to go to Scarblade and think he's cool and quick and does the spin attack so quick. Okay. When Swiftblade's whole thing was teaching you spin attacks early on. So he exiled him, hit him <laughs> off in that waterfall. <laughs> what? <laughs> hiding away the quicker spin attack from the world. Doesn't want anyone to know about it. Now, now his spin attack is still the quickest. I would love to hear what you think Exile is and how you think he could do that to his brother. Exile's not under a nice relaxed waterfall but like how does he get him to leave and are they all starting off in hyrule town it's like and swift play just drives everyone away <laughs> maybe there was like a single dojo and the swift blade parents were like okay well 
only one sibling is going to get the, this dojo. Mm. And Swiftblade's like, well, you know, I, I teach the spin attack, something crucial for anyone traveling in any direction of Hyrule Town. So I think I should get the dojo. And then Scarblade's like, actually, I teach the spin attack also, but mine is faster. And then Swiftblade was like, I'm going to banish you under a waterfall <laughs> what closed do you behind mean a rock gate. <laughs> He's hidden behind a rock gate. It's only after you, right? Like that wall is blocked off until you fuse a kinstone. Couldn't it be that he hid himself there for solitude? I, that's more likely, yes. <laughs> but I like my thing where it's like, these siblings are just like the Kardashians. Yeah, you know, the Kardashians famously banishing each other to the far corners of the world. Exactly the same. Anyway, we have been going on for quite a bit. Do we have anything else we want to say about our sponsor this week, Swiftblade? No, I hate him. Let's just go. <laughs> I think you made that clear. <laughs> All right, so we learned the spin attack, and the guard to the west says, the area beyond is dangerous, but you might be able to handle it since you know the spin attack. He asks you to show it, and he lets you pass right after. Again, these guards are just fascinated with this <laughs> young boy spinning and rolling. Sweet stunt kid. Here you go. You can go now. Yeah, that, that should be Link's nickname in a future game. Anyway, <laughs> after uh, Hyrule Town, we entered the Trilby Highlands, which is kind of just a brief in-between segment that isn't worth spending too much time in. Uh, we do have a new enemy here. Keatons. Keatons. Yeah, no, I, I am very excited by Keatons. There is another creature in this franchise called a Keaton. Do you do you remember this? Yeah, in uh, the 3D games in Ocarina and Majora. Yeah, no, uh, the Keaton is the kind of Pikachu-looking yellow multi-tailed fox. It's like a fox, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, like a, a a fox spirit or something or other. And they, these are fox folk. These are fox people. They look very, very different. They look like kind of, you know, uh, uh, dagger-wielding brigands or bandits that are out here on the road. Keatons are completely friendly in Ocarina and Majora, right? You only ever meet one in Majora's Mask, and they are not an aggressive figure. Mm. So this is an interesting turn. Again, just the back and forth between yeah. hostile and not. I love that. That's one of the things it's, I love about this It's so the interesting because like if you wear the Keaton mask in Ocarina of Time, you talk to certain people, they'll they'll have some stuff to say about Keatons, you know, like there's lore about them. Really? Yeah. Do you remember any of that? Not a bit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, but I do, uh, I just found it so interesting that they called it this, because this is very clearly after those games have been out. Mm -hmm. And what my number one question about Keaton's is why couldn't the devs of Skyward Sword have latched on to these instead of Acro Bandits? Instead... <laughs> <laughs> Instead of magma, you you would rather see Keaton's. Could you imagine? You go, you're playing Skyward Sword, which is the earliest in the timeline, and you get to see the origin, like the early days of Keaton's before they vanished. Yeah, I would love to see these in like a more recent Zelda game. These are cool little guys. They have like so they are foxes. They have these X's on their heads. There's a few different colors of them. They are wearing like brown tunics. It looks like, and he straight up has a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll charge at you basically like a moblin mm -hmm. with shorter range. You can knock them down pretty easily, but you know, if you don't if you're not expecting it at towards the start of the game, then that's a little bit surprising. Yeah, this is a very early game enemy. Uh, one last thing that we should do in Trilby Highlands is there's a business deku underground here. Oh yeah. 
who will sell us an empty bottle for 20 rupees. Uh, this is immediately kind of necessary in Mount Krennel's base, mm-hmm. so don't miss out on this. It's underground. You got to step down a ladder to, to find them. The thing about this, if you go one screen to the left to the base of Mount Krennel, there's another business scrub who will tell you about this first Deku scrub who's selling bottles. Okay. So... <laughs> Just save yourself some time and buy it ahead of time. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember during this part being frustrated because I had like 14 rupees. And it was one of those things of mm-hmm. when you want to find rupees in grass, you do not find rupees in grass. Oh, yeah. The RNG is just not on your side. Nope. But uh, anyway, we get this glass bottle and we head west to Mount Crennel's base. So I got two things that I need to say about Mount Crennel before we jump headfirst in here. First things first, the music here, the Mount Crennel theme is a cover of the hero's theme. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of slaps. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. The second thing is the name of Mount Crennel in Italy. Wait, what? The name of Mount Crennel in Italy is not Mount Crennel. Mount Crennel's a real place in Italy? No, what? No. <laughs> in the Italian translation of the Minish Cap, oh. Mount Crennel is called something else. Oh, it's been a long day. Okay. Uh, it is called Mount Fez, Chris. Ooh. My people in Italy, they are continuing the, the hat theme when they translate this game. Wow, that's a fun tidbit. Did you check the translation of the villages? I try to check the translation names for all sorts of stuff ever since the, what, what is the name of the second boss that's like Skurvo in, in Skyward Sword? The second Skurvo, that one. You know the one. We'll move on. But I just found it so interesting that they call it like a hat name. And I'm going to be keeping an eye out as we go on because I'm hoping they keep this up. When uh, we got to the Trilby Highlands, I think there's like one other place in the game that's like a hat or a head adornment kind of name. Mm-hmm. And I was a little disappointed that it didn't keep up because like this is the hat game. Everything's named after hats. Yeah, that like... In Skyward Sword, how everything is named after birds. Exactly. Sorts. Yeah. Something something you got to know about me, your boy, is that I am a huge sucker for naming conventions. Like if it's an anime or video games, I just eat that up. It's really good. Sure. And this series doesn't let you down when it comes to that. All right. So a quick description of Mount Crennel's base. Uh, it's the base of the mountain, right? Mount Crennel is kind of the Death Mountain equivalent for this game. Right. It's like Death Mountain before Death Mountain. It's light brown with some gold terrain. We've got like spiky rocks all along the border, preventing, which is the limits of the sides of the, the map. Mm-hmm. There's a surprising amount of puddles throughout this mountain base. Puddles. Yeah, like blue rain puddles all over the, the base of the mountain. And it oh. has vines growing up. Uh, out of them yes yes that's right it's kind of like a a lot of beanstalks you're going to find in different spots here yes that is one of the themes of this level uh there's some green water in parts which at first i didn't know if this is like acid or yeah that's exactly what i thought it's just like i think partially due to like the limited animation you get on a game boy advance it's kind of hard to convey spring water (laughs) 
to some extent. But that being said, I probably wouldn't make spring water green in the first place. I mean, it's mineral water, so I guess the minerals are green, whatever they are. I guess, but this is a green green. This is a deep green. Yeah, I would I would have assumed algae, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what they were going for. Uh, there's also a lot of hollowed out tree trunks, which is kind of weird on a a mountain right like i mean no trees on a mountain is kind of normal but like <laughs> i don't know death mountain you don't usually have trees as you go up it do you well yeah it's death mountain right okay so this is pre-death mountain i mean i want to be clear i don't think these are the same volcanoes okay these are two okay. different volcanoes i think fair enough uh, anything uh, about mount Crenel's base that stood out to you i thought it was kind of neat like you know the way that they have you actually create the the way in with the beanstalk like it's the way that they get you to learn how bottles work in this game which is good mm -hmm. yeah they basically have you use the water bottle to raise the vines and climb the walls to scale up the mountain yeah before we go too much further do you want to run down the enemies here real oh quick? it's quite a list chris are you ready we're going to cover the enemies both for Mount Crenel's base and Mount Crenel all in one go, I think, right? Yeah, it's all the same place. All right, so uh, first things, I'm going in the order that I wrote it down. I don't know why it's in this order, but here we go. We got beetles, which are little buggies that latch onto your face like an alien face hugger, and they, they slow you down. Oh, right, right, right. I didn't mark those down. I hate these things so much. They are the worst enemy. Worst these enemy. These guys are all over Skyward Sword also, aren't they? Nope. You're talking about those little uh, seed pods that explode. Right, right, right. Sorry. Honestly, they're not a big deal when you get down to it, but like just so many times I managed to shake them off but not kill them, so they just grab my face again. Yeah. They are not a huge threat damage-wise. They just are a little frustration. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those are the worst kinds of enemies. But uh, right after that is a creature that is in almost every Zelda game, I think. Uh, Tektites, red and blue variety. Yeah, I, you know, you say they're in almost all of them. Yet I, and this is a testament to my bad memory. I forgot what the equivalent looks like in other games after playing this game. Oh, yeah, there's there's a broad, broad evolutionary line with these things. Yeah, yeah. But they all kind of convey generally the same thing. Mm -hmm. Four legs, big circle body with an eyeball in the center for the most part. Right. Thankfully, this is before the time period where they can skate on water. Never enjoyed that. The figurine for these guys says they move by jumping long distances. Their movement can be unpredictable, so attack them when they're still. Which is not often. They don't stop very often. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we get like variants of these later. We get gold tech types. Well, you get the you have to unlock those with Kinstone Fusion. The gold enemies, you you maybe find one of each per game. One of each type of enemy? Yeah, yeah, like a a gold tectite, a gold octorok, a gold a uh, couple other things. Oh. And there's just one of each. I just remember the gold tectite for some reason. Maybe I didn't get all of them. I would remember that one the most too because it is a savage, Chris. What do you get when you take those out? I didn't go back to take it out. Oh, when you when you take down a gold enemy, you get a bunch of rupees. Okay, makes but sense. But they're wildly aggressive. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, yeah. They're basically just this game's spiders yeah, in a I, game that already has monstrous spiders. I'm not a fan of Tektites, but I will say I dig how they consistently occupy rocky terrain in these games. They don't really shift elsewhere in the franchise. Yeah, I do like consistency in enemy location. Now, here's a weird one that I have is the next uh, enemy that showed up. 
which I guess they're counting traps and dangers as well on the list that I was looking at. It's a boulder, Chris. It's a big old rock. These, so these show up a little bit later in this level. Mm-hmm. I have a quote saying, this is Meatball Mountain, because these things look like <laughs> meatballs. I mean, I will say they have a figurine. Boulder has its own figurine, Chris. Why? Oh, I know why. Because they needed to arbitrarily give you a thousand figurines to collect <laughs> in this game. Yeah, yeah. Imagine my joy at landing a boulder figure more than once ever. Do you want to read it? No, I really don't. It's just, it's like, it's a boulder. They fall on Mount Crennel. Look out. Let's move on. <laughs> Next up is something you find on the interior portions of Mount Crennel. It's called a mold worm. Now, this is uh, an evolution of something we fought in Skyward Sword, if I get that right? Yeah, we fight Muldorm once you get the magma mitts, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's those things underground that you gotta uh, hit the butt a few times. They're not a huge danger in this game. They are stubborn and chaotic, though. Like, they never stop moving. So you just gotta keep swinging and they'll go down eventually. Compared to Skyward Sword, there's definitely been a weird downgrade in evolution. Like, they're much smaller and (laughs) kind of goofy looking. They look like a chain chomp, but like morphing into a character from don't hug me i'm scared do you know that one no i don't (laughs) but i mean i think like a scale to to weigh enemies on is which act of the game they appear in in each game so a moldorm is like an act two act three enemy in skyward sword oh interesting you you reach them in the second half of the game they pose a threat because your mobility is somewhat limited underground moldorms you're they're right in the front end of this game you whack them a few times easy peasy it's almost like a demotion oh that's an interesting way to classify stuff almost like uh uh, power levels right yeah kind of exactly oh i dig that who's next on your list next i got helmasars i like these guys i think they're pretty good i think this is the only game because the Again, this is an enemy that's in, like, most Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Uh, except this is the only one, I think, where they have, like, bird traits. They got, like, feathers and, and a beak. But most importantly, they have a big spiny bone on their face. <laughs> is it a bone? I think so. Uh, so I have the figurine description here. Yeah. Appears in various areas. Their fronts are protected with metal masks, but their backsides aren't. Yeah, metal. Pop off that mask for an easy battle. It's honestly, even if you don't pop off those masks, you can still hit their big red rump pretty easily. It's they're not that big of a danger. You can actually even ignore them. A common thread in this show has been enemies who could be Pokemon. And I think this qualifies. I wrote that down, Chris. One of my first notes for Helmasar is uh, uh, they seem like they aspire to be a Pokemon. Pokemon. Absolutely. Yeah. It just gives off that vibe. I mean, it's like uh, the Cubone of Pidgeys. Kinda, yeah. I have a couple questions about them, actually. The first things first, I should just be clear, they're like little round dinosaurs, like almost circular with a big round rumps, but also bird-like faces once you take the mask off. Mm-hmm. How do you take those masks off? With the gust jar. Yeah, it, it's super simple. In other games, you would take it off with like the hook shot or something. Those masks, you confirmed they're made of metal, right? Like, are they born with those or do they make them somehow? Yeah, that kind of threw a twist in this that I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> These are tiny little <laughs> birds. They're not melding metal. Well, here's here's my other question, though. What do you think Helmosaurus taste like, though? Oh, oh. <laughs> What do they taste like, Chris? They look like little ketchup packets. <laughs> it's not what I expected. Look like little <laughs> cherry tomatoes. Is that your answer? You think they taste like cherry tomatoes? No. 
I'm just saying they look like little cherry tomatoes. <laughs> Gotta start off somewhere. <laughs> um, you know how like uh, there's that cheese that comes packaged in like that red like wrapping. Baby bell cheeses. Yes, baby bell cheeses. <laughs> I think this thing is like if you eat the baby bell cheese, but it still has the red wrapper on it. Oh, so there's something good in there. But you're also definitely eating something you shouldn't be eating. Well, that's wax, so I think that's edible, but you shouldn't eat it. But you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. You you turned Helmosaur into like a Torigo monster. I mean, you put me on the spot, I'm going to say some weird... <laughs> <laughs> the most obvious answer should be, what, chicken, right? Because this is like a big old round bird. But I think I want to take that like just a step further and say like it tastes like a mix between chicken and gator. Have you tried gator? No. I've had it a couple times. And, you know, there are actually, first off, I should say, if you see a place that's saying they have gator, they could be lying because it's very similar to chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like a mix between chicken and crab, actually. Oh, interesting. If you find the real stuff, it's very good. Cool. It's a little tough, but yeah, I don't really care about that. I got strong teeth. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it's kind of like a mix between chicken and gator. So sort of like three fourths chicken and one <laughs> and one fourth crab. Wow. You know what? For a little cute little birdie creature, I think you gave it a little uh, like a tough reputation with that description of what it would taste like to eat it. Oh, no. These things are definitely you could you could domesticate these things in like a couple generations. It'll make the most baller barbecue crisp. I'm just going to say that on top right at the top there. We're getting into weird territory now. Do you want to say the next enemy on this list? Yeah, the next enemy is uh, probably actually the side to that barbecue meal, which, be, which would be pea hats. You just deep fry those and move on. They're back. We've talked about pea hats before a few times. Mm -hmm. Speaking of enemies we've talked about a few times, we got more choo-choo here. We got uh, red choo-choo, which is basically the same as the green choo-choo. Red choo-choo is jumpy choo-choo. Oh, those jump. Those jump. They jump right at you. Also, we have Gray Choo Choo later in the level. Gray Choo Choo is not the name, which I was surprised by. Also not Purple Choo Choo, which was my first assumption. Your first assumption was that the Gray Choo Choo was called Purple Choo Choo? They look like they look purple to me. But actually, they're called Spiny Choo Choo. Makes sense, considering they're spiny when they attack you. Well, I mean, here's the thing. According to, I'm not going to read the actual figurine description, but according to the figurine, when they kind of expand into a ball of spikes, which is terrifying when you're not expecting it, that's actually a defense mechanism. Makes sense that any of these choo-choo's attacks are a defense mechanism. Yeah, I mean, it's not really the kind of thing you think about, you know? But yeah, like a choo-choo getting scared and shocking you. True. Really makes you reflect on why the choo-choo are so annoying. They're annoying because you're annoying. <laughs> The, the spiny choo-choo is not that big of a deal if you just steer clear of it. Or if you wait for the spikes to go down, you can just kill it that way. Once the spikes are out, they're invulnerable unless you hit them with a bomb. That's right. But speaking of spiny, we do have another spiny enemy, which we actually did encounter. We could have mentioned it in the previous episode, but we kind of glossed over it. These are spiny beetles. Mm -hmm. They're not quite as much the worst as beetles are. But uh, they're still pretty annoying because they are everywhere, Chris. They're everywhere. Yeah, they pop up out of rocks, right? Like you think they're just an innocuous rock and these things pop out from under them? Yeah, they're these little scuttling crab creatures that pop out from under rocks, from under weeds. I think I saw one from under a pot at some point during this game. And they will dash towards you and hide again underneath the thing so you can't hit them. 
uh, if you want to get rid of them, you got to get rid of their hat, Chris. Mm-hmm. Which, if it's a rock, you're going to have a hard time. You know what I thought this was? So, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but a lot of these games share some DNA with Mario World. Like, literally, we will be discussing enemies in this game that come from Mario games. Yeah, they do do that. You're just as familiar with Mario World as I do. The underground beetles that have, like, a single spike on them. Spinies. Yeah, they're spinies. Exactly. They're basically the Zelda equivalent of spinies. I thought, I didn't know if this was, like, a direct pull from that. This is a more indirect kind of thing. Because these are more, like, malicious crab creatures that hide underneath stuff rather than just being a little bug. But yeah, they little spooky beetles, but they're really not too much of a threat outside of the fact that they will pop up yeah. unexpectedly. I mean, they're great if, if you want to just throw bombs everywhere to get rid of them. That's great. If you want to use the gust jar to suck the rock or whatever off of them to make them vulnerable, that's also good. My favorite is when you have the ability to just use the sword to break rocks and you can just go to town on every rock you see and you just get them. Yeah, so I guess that is covers all the enemies right oh red pestos also red pestos Red pestos are there delicious but um there is one more enemy that we did gloss over that is new which is called a spark and a spark is just an angry little electric ball just a little angry spencer's electric ball <laughs> i forgot that we see these guys this early yeah they're they're also in several games they stick to walls and just kind of ride around in a set pattern pretty easy to avoid unless you're me something that i did not realize about these until the very very like very chris very end of the game is that if you kill him with a boomerang you get a free fairy yep 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 it's just like uh using magic powder on them in other games that's so good yeah i knew about it just because i'm used to it from other 2d zelda games but yeah that's a a nice little tip and that came in clutch uh in a few of the later dungeons because they they really put these guys in the later dungeons for that purpose i had no idea if i had known i'd have a much easier time there's actually Mm -hmm. one point in i think the final dungeon where you just get like a row of five of these things going in like a conga line exactly and if you throw the boomerang it hits all of them at once you just get a bunch of fairies it's fantastic it's better than a fairy fountain because you made it yourself yeah you just leave the room and come back and it's there speaking of fairy fountains there's a fairy fountain behind a rock wall is that part of the base uh, it is yeah huh there there are a lot of fairy fountains in this section of the game a surprising amount this is just a regular small fairy fountain with a few fairies in it uh, if you want to regain your hearts or toss one in a jar for if you take too many hits mm-hmm. the this is so like there's an area with a fence and there's like a one pixel section where there's no fence, just enough space for Link. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of like a recurring theme with Mount Crennel is like if there's a very symmetrical mountain wall or if there is mm-hmm. just enough space for Link to get in front of a mountain wall, mm-hmm. chances are you should put a bomb in front of that wall. It it looks like a space where a hidden entrance would be in a Zelda game. Which, if you're a seasoned player, you might spot these things. But, I mean, even me, who I've played a good handful of these games, I miss these sometimes. There's a sign, actually, you find early on in uh, Mount Crennel's base where it says blasting is strictly prohibited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's right next no. to a wall that you could blast to get behind yeah no such thing blasting is prohibited it's simply too awesome and useful yeah and i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna listen to that there's a minish transfer stone right outside that hidden wall that we just talked about 
And when you do the little animation, so the animation comes back, but in Mount Crenel, instead of there being mushrooms inside the rock, there are like crystals that you bounce down. Not quite the same uh, vibe there. You're going to be hurting your, your tailbone pretty bad doing that. Yeah, that's a heck of a fall. I have a note here that says, when you're small here, they treat muldozers like Bacoblin. And I think what I mean is they are all over the place oh yeah they also drop rupees that you pick up but are these mini rupees because we know how tiny muldozers are oh geez louise unless they were picked up when they were big and brought through a stump and then they're small now which there is a lot of questions oh yeah everything in their digestive tract also <laughs> shrinks <laughs> <laughs> no we didn't think about that oh no all right well we're gonna keep moving forward we're gonna scoop up some of this green mount crenel mineral water uh here Oh yeah, and don't use it. You need this. You you I mean like <laughs> I made the mistake of dumping mine early. It was not the right move. Outside of a cave here, Etzlo gets the bright idea that Link should jump into the small whirlwinds around this mountain. Oh yeah. Similar, they're the same kind of little whirlwinds you found outside of um Lon Lon Ranch. And he says that you can use them as a parachute to glide around. Sure. Yeah. Like, did someone do this before Link met up with him? Like, how did he know his body was capable of this? I have no idea. I have no clue. I mean, hey, it's one of the most useful things he's done for us yet. So. Hey, Chris, was he guessing? Was he just guessing? That's a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another piece of a heart in a cave to the west uh, along with a kinstone piece and some rupees i mean oh, we're gonna I mean, be picking up kinstone pieces throughout all of these if we made a point to talk about every kinstone and rupee you find out here we will never end this recording chris something we will talk about though is a hidden business scrub uh, behind one of these walls that will trade us 10 bombs for 30 rupees kind of just emphasizing the points that hey you're gonna need bombs in this section is that before or after you use the mineral water I think that's before. What is with all the business scrubs around here? There's a lot in this area. <laughs> There's a Picori house nearby on the mountain where we could do a red kinstone piece fusion and we can learn about krennel beans. Yeah, it's just a hint. It's just a hint about uh, the green water that you picked up. Right. So basically blue beans grow when you pour regular water on them. Green beans like Mount Krennel mineral water. So I guess if you didn't... Mm -hmm get the Mount Crenel water previously, this is your hint that that might be important. Mm -hmm. It's shortly after this spot that you do encounter the Crenel bean itself. You find it when you are shrunk down and you have to pick it up like this massive thing over your head. And then it exits that view to the actual world map, you know, like when you are tiny and you have just like a tiny pixel showing where you are. And then it just shows like a little bean traveling along your head. Yeah, we plop this bean into a little hole and we pour our water into it and it just grows immediately and i'm just wondering like what is in this spring water minerals chris it's on the tin oh okay so when you use <laughs> mineral water on your plants they grow at an incredible rate i don't use mineral water on my plants what am i rich well <laughs> fair enough maybe that's the secret <laughs> but chris i think we should specify do not pour the mineral water on the bean when you're small that's what I did. Don't be like me. I didn't even think about that. It just drops it. Nothing happens. It's not enough water for a big old bean like that. You got to step out and make the water big to pour it. Oh, okay. Just like the contents in our digestive tract, the contents in our glass jar grow along with us. That's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's basically all the notes I have for Mount Crenel's base. As soon as we climb up a little further into Mount Crenel, we 
bust open a wall and meet a business scrub for the the grip ring. Right. Which I have to assume this is a magic ring, Chris, right? I guess so. I mean, it basically just lets us climb mountains. Right. But unless it's magic, why would a, a symbol like one finger ring let you climb up like rock walls easily? Why would they give you this ring with the ability to climb mountains, but not let you pick up rocks with it? What? Why would those two things be conflated? Because it's a grip ring. But it's not a super strength ring. You're a little boy. I know it's not the power glove, but I mean, just knock out two birds with one stone. You're just a little boy, Chris. You're the littlest baby boy. Okay, you're a little boy. This guy's letting you scale a mountain. I'm not going to try and sing the praises of the one business scrub's morals here, Chris. But like, I, I do think that... This ring has to be magic. That's my point. I mean, yeah, I guess in the sense that there's no stamina bar. You suddenly are infinite stamina link, right? Yeah. Instills you with the ability and knowledge of how to climb. So now we got a bunch of wall climbing segments where we need to avoid falling rocks as we climb upwards. This also opens up shortcuts basically back down the base which i thought was kind of cool like up to this point we are wrapping around this mountain kind of left to right yeah but now we can kind of go straight down to the bottom so it's like little shortcuts have opened up interesting that shortcuts open up mostly down <laughs> mostly down now that you have the grip ring you can you can you know make your way up certain spots but you got to find them okay so i do got to say here just to, i do want to emphasize by the way that on most climbing surfaces on Mount Crennel, there are huge boulders constantly coming down. This is so dangerous. Oh, yeah. The fact that that business scrub just gave you this ring, like he should be charged <laughs> with negligence. That's like if you saw like a young child and you were like, yeah, the uh, ice cream shop is right across this busy highway. Just you just cross right across it. Yeah, no, no big deal. Don't even bother looking. They'll stop for you. It's good. <laughs> I have a few of these like interesting rooms that open up with bombable walls, but I think the one I'm most excited to talk about is the aforementioned no bombs allowed wall. That's towards the bottom of everything, isn't it? Maybe my notes are wrong, but I have that that is outside of essentially a new type of fairy fountain. Oh, maybe I'm wrong because there I did make note of that. Oh, boy. Well, either way. I'm not going to listen to those rules. I ain't listen to that, Chris. You tell me not to bomb a wall, I'm going to bomb. Absolutely. The place is already crumbling around me. I, what have I got to lose? Yeah, and at this point, we've seen two pretty standard fairy fountains on our way up here. But this is a much larger fountain. It's a great fairy fountain. Right. So, you know, unlike some of the other games, nothing happens immediately. But what you do is you toss a bomb into it. Sure, into this into this pool of water that you just encountered. That's a chill thing to do. Yeah, that's a totally normal thing. And suddenly, this sort of mystical-looking blue fairy uh, pops up. This is the Great Mayfly Fairy, which, uh, for some reason... The great fairies in this game are themed after bugs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. You, they've got the little bug wings. Yeah. If previously we talked about how Swiftblade was Legolas, 
This fairy is the Arwen. Oh, you think so? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it's kind of that vibe, that long blue gown, the elf ears, the long... I mean, it's blue hair in this game, but... That would be pretty wild also if uh, in Lord of the Rings, Arwen was five times the height of Legolas. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I really liked this moment. So basically what happens with this character, you toss a bomb in, the fairy comes out, she asks if you tossed a gold bomb, a silver bomb, or neither. Bombs in this game, by the way, are blue, right? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So if you choose neither... She rewards you for being honest with a big bomb bag. I she says, that. I must reward such an honest adventurer with some of my power. I love that. I love that. So like this is old school Zelda stuff. Absolutely. But first question, some of my power is a bomb bag. I mean, it depends how literal we're being here. I'm just wondering, like, if, if she's being like uh, poetic, maybe there's a fraction of her power is equating to increased explosive power. If a fairy said, thank you, child, I will give you some of my power and then handed you a pistol, <laughs> it would be like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> I guess thanks for the Glock, lady. Right. But I, I mean, I agree with you. It's video game stuff. You got to do a certain amount of hand waving at some point. But the reason why this stuck out to me. So this is based off of a, an Aesop's fable called The Honest Axe, I believe. Oh, is it? And the reason why I know that, because I am not a well-read person by any means, but <laughs> I did play Silent Hill 3. Oh. In the new game plus cycle of Silent Hill 3, there's a scenario just like this where you toss a steel pipe in and a fairy comes out of the water oh, and yeah. gives you like new game plus weapons based on if you lie. I think this is one of those situations where the newer games are referencing classic games. What do you mean? Because like the throwing something into a fountain and a fairy asks you to like to own up to it and if you do you get an upgraded version of that 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 goes way back in video gaming like i remember that from harvest moon on the super nintendo oh really oh yeah the only example i know of this is silent hill that's that's cool <laughs> that's wild to me it's like a trope oh okay i mean i know yeah i know of the trope because of looking it up for this episode that's but, fair but yeah that's awesome i wonder what other games have something like this if you know of another game outside of harvest moon and silent hill 3 that does something like this right in i would love to yeah. to know more about that anything else about this that you want to talk about i wonder if like we could possibly trace this bug theme to like every great fairy in the franchise like if that's accurate you don't often see the wings on them do you yeah not all the time i think this is definitely a very unique version of the great fairies yeah so that's one person you can run into out here apart from all the deku scrubs mm -hmm. the other person is someone called the the mount krenel hermit yeah, this guy claims that he won the festival tournament when he was younger. I, I mean, it could be. He doesn't really show off any moves. I don't believe him for a second. All I know is that, like, this guy's up here for solitude, right? That's the only thing it can be, right? He looks like he's just hanging out in this cave listening to Grateful Dead every day. <laughs> At least the impression that I got is that this guy came out here to be alone. 
mm-hmm. right? That variety of hermit. Sure. And then in comes this like loud, destructive 10-year-old strapped with bombs barging in. And like his main purpose out here is to trade kinstones with you. He can do it multiple times. So it's sort of like I came all the way out here for solitude and oh, oh. yes, I collect kinstones. Are you kidding me? I think that speaks more to the weirdness of how many, like there are business Dekus that are behind bombable walls all along this place also. It's like, why would you have a business that is behind a bombable wall? That's just bad business. That's hard to say. Like, I'm not sure what Deku culture is, though. Like, those are kind of like rogue elements there socially. What? (laughs) What? I mean, they might do deals with each other. They might be able to travel through the earth. You know what I mean? Oh, they just do underground deals. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I'm back on board. Anyway, yeah, the Colonel Hermit. Not a lot to say about him except for, yeah, he's one of the many NPCs in this game that has a random kinstone fusion. I feel like they planted this guy here because there was nothing out here. You know what I mean? Like, there's no people. You're going to get starved for, like, connection with other creatures at some point. He's got this hair that looks like a mop to some extent, but it also kind of looks like the Sheikah hair in Breath of the Wild, like the the ones at the end of each of the temples. Oh. You know what I mean? More than that, though, I'm thinking that this guy reminds me a lot of the Swordmaster from Majora's Mask. That's a great point. I didn't think about that at all. Yeah, that that strikes me like uh, to be that sort of design a lot more. Yeah, that's very similar in design. Uh, so we're going to continue climbing the wall. You get to the top of Meatball Mountain and you slingshot yourself across the mountain to another ledge and it starts to rain. It starts to rain and Ganondorf's theme starts playing. That's a cool note. Uh-huh. It's suitable ominous music, but it's also Ganondorf's theme. I don't know that there's anything that happens around here that there should be a connection. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, if There's no sign of Ganon out here apart from Moblins at different points of the game, but... No, I mean, that's, if anything, just a tiny nod in a tonally ominous section that it's not supposed to be referencing a specific character because I don't think there's any evil nearby right now. I mean, there's you you turn small and fight some bugs, I think, at some point. Yeah, yeah. You have to shrink down and run through like a death valley of huge raindrops that can hurt you. (laughs) Right. This was so good. I enjoyed that a lot. The only thing that dampered it, though, is that like you stay tiny in the rain inside and outside of this little segment the rain only hurts you when you're in this little tunnel oh that's true yeah it suddenly doesn't do damage it's after. a little weird but i mean it's cool for the moment absolutely <laughs> this is like very big honey i shrunk the kids energy and i'm here for it um and then yeah you got a bunch of those puzzles uh some push a block in a single direction one space puzzles and <laughs> some scattered other miscellaneous mind puzzles like the throw a bomb at a switch to extend a bridge, which is a new one for this game. Throw a bomb at a switch. There's a downed bridge in one of the caverns. You toss a bomb across the bridge. Oh, like you have to time the, the timer for when it hits? Essentially. Did, couldn't you just use the boomerang? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely buy the boomerang before this, but the boomerang's completely optional. Yeah. So 
If you don't have it, you can use the. You could probably use the boomerang. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else before we enter the next area that you want to talk about? I think we've been hitting so many points up here. I think we've probably hit them all. If not, <sighs> but we probably hit enough. Probably. So let's get right into Malari's Mines. Malari's Mine, singular. <laughs> Malari's Mine. <laughs> <laughs> This is a very small area, but I loved yeah. it a lot more than I thought I would. This honestly feels a lot like the Goron area of Ocarina. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's a mine, but the thing I love a lot about this, and I feel like this might be what you were getting to also, the little Picori in here have great animations. They're so, oh, and they're in different outfits. These are miners. They're, they're like little pickaxe miners. Yeah, they're little green and red outfits with their little banana hair. They got little steampunk goggles up top. <laughs> they are mining the rock here uh-huh. with their little Picori pickaxes. So it's just like, what are they really doing? They're mining and singing. It's so cute. They're so yeah. cute. There's definitely a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs thing going on. Oh, absolutely there is. Right, because there are specifically seven of these guys. Uh, you see them jumping as they mine, which is my favorite thing, because you I don't think you really see the Minish animate a whole lot in this game. True. This is such a lively animation. They gotta jump to move the pickaxe because it's so heavy, Chris. It's too big for them. <laughs> but even this pickaxe is so tiny. This is like a toothpick. It's very cute. You mentioned like you can tell there's seven around here because they have like a little uh, side room where you can go to their sleeping quarters. And there's one for Malari himself and then some smaller ones for his apprentices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, there's a Picori at the door who says this mine belongs to Malari and us, his seven apprentices. Did you ting along, tong along all this way long way to get your sword repaired? The boss is down on the lowest level. Was that part of them singing their song or is that like... I've got to imagine, but it, it almost feels like there's almost like a Gruntilda quality to the first two sentences. Yeah. But by the third sentence, he was like, ah, I'm dropping the axe. <laughs> boss is at the bottom floor. Ting along, uh, go, go. He's that way. <laughs> so yeah, we go down to the bottom level of the mine we meet master smith malari and his other apprentices down here he basically says green clothes and an odd hat sir might you be young link i'm malari master smith i hear you want me to reforge the sacred sword and help break a curse i'll be needing the old sword which holds the power of the elements first show me the broken picori blade I love all this adventure. What with the rescuing of princesses and such, I'd be happy to reforge this thing into a brand new sacred blade for you. That was a mouthful. But first things first, we are Link. True. We are not young Link. That's somebody else. That is somebody else. Also, like, we ran here from Minish Village. Are we to believe that another Minish ran here faster and told Malari. Hmm. Did the elder like call Malari? Is there like a Picori phone system set up? I like, have to assume like they either a the elder sent someone running as we were in Deepwood, so they had a head start. Okay. Uh, or B, they can ride like a bird or something. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Can can the Minish like ride a bird? Oh, I want to see that fan art. <laughs> I want to see Minish on the Helmosaur. What? Why that? I don't know, because the Helmosaur are cute, tiny little birds. Oh, I forgot they're birds. And honestly, like, 
I want to voice some appreciation here. Malari does not waste any time getting us out the door. Oh, yeah. Very, very much appreciate. I've got magic candy co- to collect. We got to get out the door. We got to get going. Absolutely. We put that blade on the table. They immediately start mining away. And he says, hey, kid, there's another one of those elements back behind the mine. So, hey, just our luck. Another element right by this Minish village. I I have a question about Malari. Which, first off, Malari is huge by comparison. Oh, yeah. Do you want to describe him? Malari's like a... Hmm. What's a concise way to say this? A large barrel-chested minish that kind of has like a Viking vibe or a Valkyrie vibe. Definitely. And he also has like a big cartoonishly red drunkard's nose. I think that's what I'm getting here from the picture. He's also got like... When you have like a Thunder-type Pokemon and they have like spiky hair... Or like spiky... Oh, needless yellow spikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a little bit of that going on between his mustache handlebars being very spiky and yellow and his hair underneath his bandana. Also a bit of biker grandpa vibes, I guess, with that bandana. (laughs) I kind of want to see Malari fight a dude. I want to see Malari fight biker grandpa. Ooh, yeah. Shrink biker grandpa down and he'll he'll have a little roadhouse fight. I want to see that fan art. The, the area outside of the mine is the Cave of Flames. It's the next dungeon we're going to be talking about next episode. It's a pretty cool place. It's not bad. The first two dungeons, pretty solid in this game. But yeah, I don't know. Anything else about Malari's mine? Uh, the only other note that I have is that uh, around this place, they have scattered like these little bioluminescent crystal lights which really speaks to me on a personal level. Crystal lights? Bioluminescent crystal lights? Yeah, they have uh, these lamps that are made out of crystals. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. This whole, every single thing about the Minish is just perfect. Yeah, it's very good. So, Chris, uh, we had talked before this recording about how we're probably going to be canning the ratings at the end of the episode. Right. We did talk about that, but we need something in its place, don't we? Oh, yeah. I do have something prepared, uh, which should be faster, more interesting, more fun. That's my hope for this. What I have prepared, Chris, is something that I have tentatively titled Hello Hyrule Travel Rex. Travel Rex like R-E-X? Rex like recommendations. Like T-Rex? Wait, wait, wait. T-Rex? Oh. Travel Rex. <laughs> I think that might get a little bit obtuse if we just start to say if you have a T-Rex at the end of every episode, though, Chris. So what are these Travel Rex? Travel Rex are essentially going to be our top recommendations as tour guides for the location we just toured. Okay. And the three categories are as follows. Top photo op. Top attraction. Top eats. So, Chris, first question. Mount Crenel as a whole. What's your top photo op? Top photo op has got to be... In front of the giant fairy fountain, probably, right? I think I might agree with that. I mean, it's beautiful. Like, it's notably different and unique from the different fairy fountains. I mean, if you throw a bomb in there, which I would imagine most people are going to be dropping pennies or rupees in. (laughs) If you happen to throw a bomb in there, you get a majestic fairy popping out yeah um and people just like taking selfies in front of fountains i think so that's true honestly it's a pretty chill vibe in that place i think that'd be pretty good i think my top photo op is though going to be down at the base right in front of the uh bubbling mineral spring oh okay as a regular sized person no no when you shrunk down because you got like an overhead right right, right. leaves and such yeah 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 
Yeah, that would look great uh, as like a phone background. <laughs> Absolutely. Unless once you get out of the GBA view and into the real world view, if that looks like a vat of acid like we, we discussed. I sure hope it doesn't. I hope so also. Although that might also look pretty cool. Anyway, my top attraction is the rainfall trench at the top of the mountain. Oh, yeah. I think that is extreme. Like, if you manage to find a way to make yourself safe, that's the top concern, of course. But like, it is so cool. If you could go somewhere where massive raindrops are falling all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's not even the best part of that attraction. The best part of that attraction is getting on that mushroom and launching yourself over a pit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing you do in that in that part. It is a lawsuit waiting to happen, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And speaking of lawsuits waiting to happen, my top attraction is Meatball Mountain. Which portion? The whole thing. Like the longest stretch where you find the fairy fountain? Yeah, yeah. I, let's say that. Just because, I mean, people love rock climbing, right? And like, this is this is a whole lot of rock climbing. If you can hand out a grip ring to everyone who goes up, then I might be on board for that. You have like five or six grip rings. You only have a few people climbing at once. You can make it work. And then what's the third one? Top. Eats, 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 eats. I mean, you know what? Like, I'm not going to lie. We've been recording for like two hours. It's late at night. I'm feeling... <laughs> wild uh -oh. this is this is chris after dark i'm feeling a little bit crazy and also we always focus on the food but i want to focus on liquids this time <laughs> okay. i want to make some tea out of that mount krennel spring water Ooh, boil it it's already boiling it's already boiling exactly <laughs> not much to even do I mean, it made it made that plant grow so fast, right? Yeah, that does sound good. It's one of those things where these games have something that look like matcha tea in like every entry. Do they? Isn't there a, a green stamina potion in Skyward Sword? Yeah, that's like glowing, my dude. What, your matcha tea doesn't glow? No, that's a fair point. Yeah, you know, you got me there. There you go. What's your best eat? My answer is something that I had said in passing, and I had not stopped thinking about it since I said it. And that is deep fried pea hat. Oh, no. Why, oh, no? Why do you want deep fry living things all the time? It's a plant, Chris. It's not a plant. It's hostile as heck. Hey, I mean, check the tape, dog. Check the figurine description. That, that thing's a plant. <sighs> okay. So let me pull up the picture just really quick and try to understand you want to why you want to deep fry this thing it looks like a little cannon with a flower on the top of it it looks like a big tough like starchy plant of some kind that if you boil it or if you like cut it up into fries or something you got something good going there with the flower on top you can at least get a good blooming onion going up there Hey, there it is. Maybe they just like are big onions. They got like the roots underneath. They could be a root vegetable. I don't see that at all. I was going to say like you could treat this like, oh, what is, what is that? Uh, carnival food um, that's like white powder. Just so I understand, you're talking about powdered sugar. Powdered sugar. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I am so tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> powdered sugar. I I guess you could, hmm. Like deep fry plus powdered sugar. Then maybe you have something edible here. I'm not sure what the difference would be. Because like, I'm what I'm picturing here is that you kill this thing first off, cut it into like strips, and then you deep fry it and you dip that sucker in some ranch or marinara. That is, that sounds delicious. Wait, 
Wait. Yeah. You deep fry it and then you stick it in some ranch or marinara? Have you never had like zucchini, like fried zucchini or something? Oh, okay. 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 You you save that a little bit. In <laughs> ranch or marinara. You were heavily resistant to this idea, Chris. I, I don't like the idea of cutting this little living thing into strips and deep frying it. It's a it. plant. It's all good. Okay. Whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> You know what helped me some sleep at night is some deep fried pea hat. <laughs> you know what helped me sleep at night? Some postcards from our friends. Uh, sure. That sounds great to me. If you want to send us a postcard, how would you do it? If you want to send us a postcard, you can either drop us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can shoot us an email over at HyrulePod at gmail.com. Absolutely. Yeah, we will read out those reviews. We'll read out any questions you may ask us in the emails. If you have an opinion on how you would eat a pea hat, let me know. <laughs> yeah, let Pete know. I don't care to hear any of it. Yeah, no. Why do you think I said that? <laughs> what I do care to hear about, though, is this message we got from friend of the show and draft punk Brian Keese. Is this a, Br a Brian Thunder Keese or a Brian Fire Keese? This is a Brian Human Keese. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> he informed us that it's no longer there, but there is a there was a uh, larger-than-life style play area for kids in Disney World in Florida. Yes. So the Minish theme park that we were talking about, apparently there was a, a portion of Disney World yeah. that essentially had this. And he sent us a picture and a YouTube video. Ooh, I haven't seen the video. Um, and it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. That oh, That is the coolest thing. I saw a picture where it was like, you're walking through some blades of grass with like a huge discarded Play-Doh canister nearby yep. it's based on honey i shrunk the kids right so i guess maybe this was like a late 90s thing that that existed i'm not sure of the time frame there should be a whole section of universal studios that lets you walk through a like a tiny like walk through a huge yard or something yeah i think we need a new hit movie franchise before we get one of these i don't think they're just gonna build one of these you know what i mean honey i super blew up the kids or honey i super shrank the kids Honey, you will not believe what happened to the kids this time. <laughs> honey, the kids, I'm help. A, honey, I'm afraid to even say it. I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> or just honey, exclamation point. Oh, is that the prequel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Brian, for uh, keeping us in the loop there. That is awesome to see. We also have a postcard from Joshua. He asks, and I'm uh, paraphrasing to some extent here, why does Link need a rupee wallet? He has an amazingly large back pocket. It can hold shields, swords, clothes, armor, boots, a ball and chain, a Beyblade. Why can't he put his <laughs> rupees in there? Okay, so we're, what, what Joshua is describing is mallet space, the trope known as mallet space. Oh, there's a legitimate trope here. Okay. Yeah, like when a cartoon character can fit, you know, a ton of huge, unrealistic amount of stuff on them, on their person. But is there a part of that known trope that describes why the money is segmented away from the mallet space? I mean, if you think about it, the rupee wallet is inside of Link's mallet space. You don't see you don't see it hanging on his belt. Right. So a lot of those things are single items that could be anywhere in his 
space, but they're single items, right? Sure. But when Link goes to a store and he needs, let's say, 10 blue rupees Uh or five green rupees or whatever he's spending, Uh he doesn't want to... pull a few rupees out of this section of his space a few rupees out of this section (laughs) he wants all of those rupees in one yeah kind of portion grouped up right so that's probably why the specific wallet is needed can think of like the rules i don't i don't know how well versed you are in dungeons and dragons chris the item known as the uh the bag of holding yeah of course right so the rules of the bag of holding are you can store a ton of stuff in it mallet space right Mm mm-hmm but it, you need to know what you're reaching in for. If you're reaching into your mallet space zone with, like, just looking for your money, you're going to be pulling out one rupee at a time. Just one at a time. Each You're going to be there for 10 hours. If you reach in there for your wallet, though, here's all your rupees. There you go. Yeah, I think I think that's I think we're essentially saying the same thing. Yeah, I said mine in a worse nerdy way. But yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there who appreciates it. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for the question, Joshua. So I think that's going to do it for the postcards. Do you want to tell the people where they might be able to find us on social media if they (laughs) dared to do so? If you dare to find us, you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at HyrulePod. If you want to find me and Chris individually on Twitter, you can find me at the edge of my Pete, and you can find Chris at a man named Babs, B-A-B-S. You know, you used to let me do that part, and at first I really appreciated that you would do it for me, but now I kind of miss it. Well, I figured we would trade off. You did it for me once. Why don't you ask me where people can find us on social media like you used to? Chris, if people want to find us on social media, where can they find us? Well, no, you already told them. (laughs) They already know now. That's going to do it for this episode of Hello Hyrule. Thank you for listening. Next episode, we're going to be jumping into the Cave of Flames. Until then, I have been Pete. And I have been Chris. Excuse me, podcast. And on that note, I'm about to jump into my own personal cave of flames. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm going to get in my warm bed. That's your cave of flames. Yeah, I'm going to get in my warm bed. I'm going to go to sleep because I'm very tired. Okay. <laughs> night, night. <laughs>